This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast. Wow, you just heard all of that in the intro. My name's Michael Connolly, and I'll be your host for this episode. Joining me again is Steve Connolly. G'day, Steve. How you doing? Hello, Michael. Hello, all. I'm really well, thanks. Yes. Gosh, I'm enjoying being back on the podcast chair regularly and having... <laughs> what's, a po- well, what's a podcast chair look like, Steve? Does it look like any normal chair except you've got headphones on and have a microphone in front of your face? <laughs> back on the podcast chair. Oh, I did. You know, when you're halfway through saying something, and you, I was going to say on the podcast, podcast, podcast wagon. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad. Is there a 12 step process for that wagon, Steve? <laughs> I'm really enjoying having regular discussions with you uh, and recording those discussions for our podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll pay that one. That was good. <laughs> oh, it's great. And look, um, it is really good to be having these discussions because sometimes things come up, like obviously last time when we were talking about the weather, and it's, I'm happy to report that despite a wicked storm that flew over southeast Queensland again yesterday, we have had some good weather that has helped the cleanup, which is really good to know. And the, mm. uh, one of the comments that somebody had, had made uh, that I saw on social media this week was it's great to see the volunteer spirit just go, wow, when you get activities being able to be pulled together in response to flood events like this. Mm, it certainly is. Yeah, it's, I was actually talking with someone from a state sporting organisation who had made the comment that, you know, you'll, you'll often see the best brought out in people when things like this happen and, you know, volunteers are rolling up their sleeves and, and helping out their neighbours and, um, you know, and, and the sporting organisations in their area. And we agreed that it's interesting that it often takes something like this for people to volunteer. People have obviously got it in them and, and want to help out when there's a need for it. Um, so maybe there's something to learn from that, that clubs out there that are needing volunteer support could be better at educating their local community that they need that support on a regular basis, not just you know, in isolated incidents of disaster. Yeah, and an interest. So that's the volunteer side. The other, the other side is people's generosity, and there's obviously um, ways that people can give. If they, if, and you and I have seen this firsthand with our brother whose house this time was spared, but last time was really badly mm-hmm. damaged in the flood. And even through that, they saw that there were people far worse off than them and their generosity just came out and they were able to donate funds to help other people through the floods. So if you are interested in donating funds, then there are plenty of opportunities for you to do so. I'm sure a Google search for how to do so would be pretty pretty easily help you come across somebody who needs help. Mm. But I'd actually suggest if you are interested in donating funds to help in any of the flood recovery efforts, Find somebody directly. Just find a club that you would like to directly donate to and make the donation directly to them. In most cases, a donation to sport from an individual won't be tax deductible in Australia, but notwithstanding, that's it's still a good way that will help the flood recovery, especially for those clubs that are in low-lying ground where it's not actually possible to get flood insurance. Mm. And look, we do have a great system of government here where the state has is going to come to the party to help restore a lot of the, if not all of the sporting assets and councils are already well and truly on the way. Everything from helping with the cleanup efforts through to helping reinstate facilities. So that's really positive and, and good to see. So good to see the money, good to see the council support, good to see the government support. And of course, good to see the volunteering as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
And back into the podcast discussion then about you being back on your podcast chair. <laughs> <laughs> Something interesting came up this week, Steve, that I want to have a quick chat about, and that is back to meetings. Now, I know that we've done quite a bit about meetings, but this came up in the context of redoing a constitution for a football club. And somebody asked a really interesting question. It was, you know, a, a, we got to that part about meetings, and there's a, two parts in a constitution about meetings, one about meetings of the committee or the board, and the other one about meetings of members. But the question that came up was, you know, when we're sitting in meetings and somebody says something and then somebody else seconds it, why do we second things? What does seconding it even mean? And I, I was thinking, obviously, at the time, it was cool. There are some people who are interested in meetings. I got my, I got my nerd hat on and went, yes, let's talk about some meetings things. But I think, and then, some- and then they promptly, then they promptly regretted <laughs> yeah. beep, showing interest beep, in. Beep, yeah. beep. <laughs> no, because they came back with another question. Okay, so okay. I'm, I'm going to assume that they enjoyed the answer so much that we got to have a now have another crack. <laughs> anyway, so Steve, I'm going to let you talk us through the t- typical process for the way that a motion should start and and get to the resolution. And before we do, though. It's important to understand what a motion is. It's not like a bow motion that you want to move on the floor of a meeting <laughs> or tabling your motion. That's not okay. <laughs> and I don't if how many it, times that's happened? <laughs> I've someone really got the shits with someone. Yeah. Else. <laughs> Getting the shits in a meeting. <laughs> oh. Anyway, back on track. Um, just, thanks for derailing my train of thought there, Steve. <laughs> so, what is a motion? The simplest way to define what a motion is, is the decision that the person who says, who moves the motion wants the meeting to make. So the example that we use quite often, and I think we may have used this in one of our meetings podcasts early in the piece, was if you want to buy, if I want to buy a new barbecue, I want the club to buy a new barbecue because the one that we've got shagged and rusty burners and the plates falling apart, then I would write the decision that I want made and present that. So rather than just writing barbecue on the agenda, we would write, and if we were to do it right, that the club purchase a new barbecue up to the value of $700 from an appropriate provider. And you could name that provider if you've got a preferred quote. And then you can attach the quotes and everything so that by the time you get to the meeting, what I'm asking you as a my fellow committee member to decide is black and white. It's really clear what we're talking about at the beginning of the conversation, because otherwise you talk around in circles for half an hour. And then the president or the chair of the meeting falling asleep says, can we pull it to a motion? Which I always found funny because it's kind of like, well, we've been talking about something for half an hour and now mm. we're going to decide what we've been talking about. So rather than wasting time with wishy-washy topics or words, we say this is the decision that we want made and that goes on the agenda as a motion. Motions can come up through uh, procedurally through the meeting though. So when the treasurer presents their report, for instance, the motion is that the treasurer's report be received and adopted. When the minutes of the previous meeting are moved, the motion is that the minutes of the previous meeting be accepted as a true and correct record of that meeting. So that's the decision. I want this group to decide that these minutes are correct. I want this group to decide that this financial statement that's been presented to us is fair and accurate, and we're going to adopt it. I want this group to agree that we're going to buy the barbecue. So they can be one-off things like the barbecue. They can be procedural as things that come up in the meeting, or they can be any other decision. So in a discussion, you might say, well, hang on a minute, that's a really good idea. Let's agree that we're going to change from having oranges at halftime to having pink grapefruit at halftime. 
I'm spitballing there, and I <laughs> that's not the sort of what thing a nice getting, idea. I need a bit of sugar to just drizzle. Depends on the, on the season. The pink grapefruits when they're in season are just anyway. Back to back to <laughs> not like a navel orange with the sugar. Okay, and maybe that's why they're having that decision. You're right. So, do you want me to carry on with your answer that you already started to provide for yourself? <laughs> no, right. Yes. Yes. Please do. No, I now, was only explaining what a what emotion is. Now I'm going to let you... a space motion, not e motion. Ah, yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, I think one of the really important points that you started to touch on there is the clarity of the wording of the motion itself, which, yes, you know, as as we tout, should be a decision based sentence beginning with the word that. The motion itself shouldn't ideally be heard or seen for the first time by attendees during the meeting. The kind of we talk a lot about the you know meeting procedure formality falling somewhere on a spectrum, and at one end of the spectrum you've got you know no agenda and people turning up late and no minutes and and really just sitting around and having a chat, and at the other end you've got formal parliamentary procedure, and. Most clubs fall somewhere around the middle of that spectrum, but regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, it's important to recognize that the better you prepare, the more efficient and the more effective. <laughs> I didn't say efficient and effective there. Uh, the more efficient and the more effective your meetings will be. So ideally, if, if someone has a decision that they want the committee or board to make, someone from that committee, they should get that motion on the agenda before the meeting so that their proposed decision and everyone else's proposed decision can be considered by attendees before the meeting even starts. So ideally sometime days or a week out from the meeting, ideally we've got a, a motion on notice that goes to the secretary and the secretary adds all of those motions onto the agenda, very clearly worded as decision proposed decisions that then goes out to all attendees on the agenda, let's say a day or three days before the meeting itself. So everyone can read the agenda and have a really good idea of exactly what decisions each attendee wants made at that meeting. Now, this is, as you say, in you know, contrast to what happens at most meetings in, in our experience, where there's discussion that goes around in circles for, yes, up to half an hour or more in some instances. And then the poor chairperson says, you know, can we, pull that to a motion and and we haven't even had clarity as to what we're actually discussing so so getting the the motion process right from the outset should include you know addition of motions to the agenda they listed against the person who has provided the motion or notice to the secretary uh, that person ideally then moves the motion at the meeting and someone else seconds it now this is really interesting and if you know in, in the context of that question that you had asked of you if no one seconds a motion what happens the motion lapses the motion lapses for one of a second and all we can assume is that there's only one person who wants that decision made so much so that no one else even seconded the motion so we move on we yeah. we strike that item from the minutes it doesn't get recorded or you know there might be a note made that the motion lapsed for want of a seconder and we go on to the next motion. So when, in my experience, when that happens, it's typically not the first time that that motion has been raised. So in standing yeah. orders, which means the rules of meetings, if a motion is moved and seconded and then the vote, and the vote is then put and the motion is not carried, so it's lost, then that's it. You can't bring it up again at that meeting. Yep. 
but it might come up again at a subsequent meeting. And at that point, that's when everybody says, well, hang on a minute, we've already had this debate. The, the, the motion was lost. Therefore, yep. you're bringing it up again because you can. But everyone else says, well, we don't want to have the discussion again. So nobody seconds it. And that's, yeah. when, and, and that's when it then lapses for want of a seconder. Yeah, that's a, a fair assessment. I think that it's, it's less likely that the first time something is discussed, someone who wants a decision made won't find at least one other person to second their motion. Yeah, yeah. So, so, once- so what you're saying, it sounds like, is that for somebody to second a motion, they're, they're saying, yes, I want to have the debate. Yes, that's right. Not even necessarily, yes, I agree with this proposed decision and I'm even necessarily going to vote in favour. Yes, I agree with having the debate, mm. which is where we then go. So after the motion seconded, we enter debate and there are rules. And again, there's a spectrum of formality as to you know, how structured that debate might be. In most clubs, we have an open discussion. There's not a, a process, at, at, at least the committee meeting level, there's not necessarily a great degree of formality applied by the chairperson in managing debate, for instance, ensuring that we've got someone speaking for and someone speaking against the motion, you know, in alternate order. And then once we've got a couple of people who've spoken for or against the chair, we'll typically say, all right, well, obviously there's no one to argue for the other side. So let's put this to the vote. But often uh, that, that seems like we're turning, and we've spoken about this in the past, it seems like we're turning most clubs meeting procedure on its head where there is just, more typically general discussion and then we say all right does everyone agree yep great let's move on to the next discussion point and it's difficult in those instances for the secretary to actually make a formal note or you know enter into the minutes the record of the decision that was made because we don't have a clearly based decision you know clearly worded decision-based sentence in the way of a, a motion so that's that this makes the secretary's job a whole lot easier by getting in words written down on a screen or on paper, exactly the decision that someone wants made, exactly the decision that someone else agrees, yes, let's discuss and debate this. And then once the decision's made, if there's no amendment to the motion, all the secretary has to do is write carried or lost. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a couple of important points in there, Steve. The first one that I like is that the secretary's job is not to make assumptions. The secretary shouldn't have to assume what somebody says. And this is at, at every point of the meeting process. So when somebody says, hey, can you put barbecue on the agenda? The secretary can say, no, 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 because I, I would need to make an assumption as to what you actually want on the agenda. What's the decision? Yes. So don't just accept shitty motions or shitty topics to go on the agenda. If there's a decision that sits behind it, get that and don't make any assumptions. Same during the meeting. It's the president and the secretary's job to run the meeting in tandem as a like a pilot and a navigator. So if the, if the secretary doesn't have the clear wording of the motion at the beginning, it's the chair's job to say, oops, slow down, slow down. Let's make sure that the wording here is properly captured in the minutes, probably yeah. captured by the secretary for the minutes before we move on. The other one is where you said about the voting and Voting by consensus it is okay. So yeah. if if you don't actually get to the point which you're getting to about having the vote, if it's motion is moved, motion is seconded, and the chair says, is everyone happy with that? And everyone goes, yep, yep, yep. Then it's carried unanimously. So in that case, the, the secretary can record that the motion was carried unanimously, even though an actual show of hands or voting by any other means wasn't taken. 
And that's most common, isn't it? Really? At this level, yeah. At the committee level, committee meeting level as well. So yes, at this level of, of most of our listeners uh, are in clubs and associations where decision-making by consensus, certainly at the board meeting is logical. More so when we enter into the realm of general meetings, annual general meetings, particularly if we're making big decisions like changing our name, adopting a new constitution and so on, which might need a special resolution, then we need to be confirming that we're actually achieving the required 75% majority rather than just simple majority of those people present and voting. So we actually do need to count votes. So you've got to get your mm. hands in the air or vote one way or another in your secret ballot form. And that demonstrates that the one organisation can be at multiple points on that continuum of com- of complexity of meeting processes as well. So for those decisions that need, yes, we absolutely need to know the numbers here, then yep. they can move to the, the more sophisticated end of the continuum. But for the day-to-day decisions that they're making as a committee at this time of year for the winter sports, for instance, probably weekly or fortnightly, mm. but then into probably monthly meeting, into their monthly meeting frequency as the season then ramps up. They can be, if, if everyone's on the same page and we're having regular discussions between meetings, so we all we are all on the same page and we're getting to the meeting, the purpose of the meeting, make the decision, that decision then leads to action. Yep. I think one of the really important points in this, in the context of the discussion that we're having today is that meetings are the way that organisations make decisions. So it's important that the minutes of those meetings reflect the decisions that were made at them. And by creating a, a clearly worded motion, there's no confusion. There can be no confusion around what decision was made because the motion that is worded, you know, that the club purchase a, a new barbecue up to the value of X from a preferred supplier carried it's really easy for a a reader you know subsequently down the track to read the minutes of a meeting and to very easily identify what decision was made whereas if there's a lot of discussion that was going and and a lot of minutes that we look at are a record of the discussion rather than a record of the decisions or a record of the shortcoming yeah, a record of the discussion that happened that then led us to decide what we were talking about and then make a decision, which was, well, we don't have enough information, so go and get some quotes or go and get yeah. some more information and come back next time, which yeah. is so limp. Just on the wording, though, we've we just rattled off some very formal wording of motions, and that's because we're fairly well practiced at it being meeting nerds. But in writing your motions, don't get too hung up on how you write them. You don't need to necessarily learn how to write a formal motion. Just think about it. What's the decision I want made? How can I write that decision in a way that gives everyone perfect clarity and removes ambiguity about what it is that I want you to decide? Because from that decision, we can then determine a course of action, which is somebody's going to now go and do something or somebody's are going to go and do some things to put that decision into action. So one example that I wanted to, to give was an interesting situation that arose. This is probably going back 15, 16 years now. And it was in a hockey club. Now, the for some reason, you know, we talk about the separation of governance and operations and that the governance people are the ones who are typically sitting on the committee. And that's where they're, as volunteers, that's where they can give the most or feel that they can give the most. And therefore, obviously, they're getting the most out of their volunteer time. Those on the field volunteers are more operational. And it's when you you blur the lines between operations and governance that governance typically suffers because it's the bit that drops off the bottom when things get busy. So when there's fires to fight, when there's urgency, when there's uniforms and merchandise to order, when there's a season to run, typically it's the governance that falls off the bottom. So that's why straddling is not a good idea. Anyway, in this case, 
we had the senior coach, the senior men's team coach on the committee. Now that's an interesting decision, but we'll leave that for another, to have that operational position on the committee, but we'll leave that to the side. It plays into this story a little bit because of the motion that was put on the agenda. And I use the term motion here extremely loosely because it wasn't. The topic that he had put on the agenda was, uh, I think the wording was senior men's awards night or something to that effect. And what he actually wanted was the club to invest 400 and something dollars at the time in sending him and the captain and maybe one or two others to this senior awards night, AKA hockey piss up. So that, now it's fine. Go, go have, a, have fun. I'm all for awards nights and I'm all for having fun to do with sport. Should the club pay for that though? And that was, ju- and why it had come up is, well, that's what we've always done. We've all, the club has always funded mm. this this many people to go. Now, despite the fact that that's putting the not for profit nature of a club in question, because not for profit means that you the members can't share in the surplus assets. So, should they really be going on a, on a junket on the club's coin? You know, that's questionable. So uh, the concerns that I'm expressing to you now were, were felt by the treasurer who was new at this time, but had it was one of those volunteers that fell into step. So when you yeah. see how things have always been done, you just adopt that culturally and you keep operating in the same way. Now, she felt very uncomfortable about this decision. She didn't know that there's this whole meeting procedure that means that if we put this to the vote, she has a chance to publicly, at least in the in the context of the committee, say, no, I don't support this idea. I don't agree that it's a, the right sort of decision and to have that recorded. She just thought that, well, old mates put it on the agenda, so we have to fund it, don't we? So I explained to this group at this time, which was a little awkward, obviously, because the head coach who was look, really looking forward to his annual piss up on the club money was in the room when I was explaining, you don't have to agree just because somebody's put that on the agenda. Okay. You can second it, which means exactly as you've said, I want to have the discussion, but when it comes time to make the decision, everyone gets to put their hand up in the air to say, yes, I want to spend the $400 or no, I don't want to agree to spending the $400. So it, it look in this case, the club spent the $400 for no good reason, only for the bad reason that I think made it into Basket Case Club's episode one. We do it like that because that's how we've always done it. <laughs> but the, the treasurer in this case was able to say, I'm not comfortable with this and I don't think it's a good idea. And then a subsequent note went in the minutes to say, this should be reviewed before the same thing comes up next year. Now, unfortunately, I didn't see what happened the next year, but at least we'd moved from this just happens because it's always happened to actually we need to have a critical think about this each time. And I made it perfectly clear that I didn't think it was a good idea, as did the as did the treasurer. So if nothing else has happened, they've they've opened up the ability to have that discussion. Mm. In subsequent years, the right thing for that for that committee to do was to say, well, it's fine for me to sit here in my podcast chair and say <laughs> ivory ivory tower podcast chair and say this is what I think. It is ultimately up to that club to make the decision, but this sort of information about, hey, remember what not-for-profit means and, hey, remember you've got an ability to actually say you don't support this. And for crying out loud, have an informed discussion in your decision-making process. So to wrap up then, Steve, what's interesting is that you don't need to second motions. 
they're part of these standing orders that most clubs have adopted without even knowing it. So remember standing orders mean the rules for meetings and they exist in there. But those standing orders can get, as you say, with full parliamentary procedure, they can get very complex and sophisticated or they can be really simple. So seconding a motion is actually part of standing orders, not part of your constitution. It doesn't say Mm. in your constitution you must move a motion and then have that motion seconded. So for really simple decisions, you, you know, it's actually okay if you don't. But is it okay? It's legally okay, but from a best practice governance principles, is it okay? And I think not. I think the best bet is here's the decision that I want to make. Does somebody else at least want to have that discussion? Then, yes, then that's the seconding. Then we have the discussion and debate with some structure around it, this level of complexity of that structure dependent on the level of complexity of the decision. And then let's now see who wants to go ahead, vote yes, or who wants to say no. And we actually put it to the vote. Excellent. And I think as a a little um, additional takeaway, you made a comment uh, (laughs) that, that, that some motions that might come to the secretary are, you know, poorly worded or in your terms shitty motions <laughs> so the, the takeaway that i wanted to uh, to leave with our listeners today is don't accept bowel motions <laughs> all you secretaries out there don't accept bowel motions <laughs> and even if there's no one seconding the, the the motion as we've touched on you know at a very high level today simply wording the motion you know with ideally worded beginning with the word that, because that really forces you to write a decision-based sentence, makes it very easy for the secretary to document that decision and easy for people reflecting on the minutes, on the decisions made through review of the minutes to see exactly what the, the committee or the members at a general meeting made. So even if you, you are more on the lenient end of, you know, closer to the lenient end of the meeting, procedure formality spectrum it's vital that your minutes reflect the decisions that were made at your minutes so in a lot of cases shorter more succinct minutes are better than you know lengthy verbose minutes that don't clearly document the decisions made if they just you know are a verbatim note of everything that everyone said it's going to be really hard to go through there and pluck out the decisions that were actually made yep yep and that's very boring for new people joining a committee to be reading 20-page minutes of he said, she said stuff that in some cases is important, but it, when the decision is oranges or pink grapefruit, you probably don't need three pages of crap. No, that, that's a very good point. The other thing that came to mind as we've been having this discussion is that often minutes are a, a good way to kind of squash arguments as they rear their head. So you might have people trying to, you know, make a case that a decision wasn't made properly. And even though a lot of constitutions say, even if you, you know, deviate from standing orders or you, you deviate from some uh, step in the process or, or some step in the process, and, you know, that doesn't mean that a decision that you've made is invalid purely mm. by virtue of missing a step in the process. That wasn't discovered until after the decision had been made. Thank you. That wasn't discovered until subsequently, even though that's the case, you might have people who try and mount an argument against a decision that's made because of some deviation from process. So it's important, again, that we've got a really clearly documented decision so that we can point to that and say, no, the decision was made at the meeting and here's the proof of that decision. Yep. So takeaway one, move motions, have them properly worded, but not shitty bowel motions. 
Number two, have those motions seconded before you get into the discussion and the debate. Number three, have the discussion and debate. Number four, make the decision. Is it yes or is it no? And then most importantly, number five, go and put it into action and write those actions down clearly with who's going to do it and by when and if there's a cost associated to it. Really simple action plan. Good. Five step process, not 12. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So thank you to all of our listeners who've been sending in ideas. Please keep them coming. Uh, If you haven't already signed up for our newsletter, make sure you do that. Go to cprgroup.com.au, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and a little pop-up will come up enabling you to sign up straight from there. Follow us on social media where we've got some, always have some interesting bits and pieces going out. And of course, as always, thank you to Jess, our wonderful producer and editor for making all of our jokes that are included in the podcast, only the good ones. And if you think that they're not good jokes that are in the podcast, imagine what the ones, imagine what the outtake reel sounds like. Steve, thank you again for joining me on this discussion about moving good motions and having them seconded before going to a vote. I look forward to catching up with you again next time. As will I. Thank you. Bye. Bye.